the home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Suns playoffs roundtable special. Because, you know, like that, they have really talented players. So if you make mistakes, mistakes, uh, they're going to punish you. They have really good, uh, uh, they have a really good uh, uh, team. And uh, like you can say, no, nobody kind of step up something bigger. So, of course, Chris Paul has 15 assists, uh, but that's what kind of he do, you know. So he, they, 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 they destroy as a team, you know. Of course, they have, have Devin Booker, they have Aiton, they have Chris Paul, but they destroy as a team. That's Nikola Jokic, the MVP. He's going to get that piece of hardware tonight before Game 3 at Ball Arena. Suns are leading that series two games to none, but uh, just talking about how the Suns can punish you as a team as we head to Game 3, and it is time for some uh, NBA Suns roundtable playoff uh, action. John Bloom in for uh, Dan Bickley today. we got Kevin Zimmerman in studio and joining us via the wonders of technology, Dave Burns. Guys, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, Nikola Jokic, let's start there, shall we? I made the point yesterday to Bick, and he agreed with me. Um, If you were just dropped on planet Earth with some knowledge of basketball, but no knowledge of what what happened this season, and you watched the first two games of Suns Nuggets, and then somebody told you, hey, that number 15 guy for Denver, he's the MVP of the league, you wouldn't believe them. Uh, That being said... What do you expect from Nikola Jokic to start out uh, start out with tonight? Uh, because this is a team with you know their proverbial backs against the wall. Bernsey, I'll start with you. Well, I, I think we are all expecting Nikola Nikola Jokic's best tonight. Uh, whatever that looks like, I'm not sure how that manifests itself at this particular stage of the series. But whatever it is, it is coming tonight. I I, I think he is gonna. I, I think he's tired. I think he's at the end of this kind of long journey, the regular season, the fact that Denver is the only team that's left from the Final Four a year ago in the bubbles. Their season's been going on for a long time. Michael Malone kind of alluded to that a couple of days ago when he was talking about Jokic. I think there is going to be this surge of adrenaline that he's going to get when he's handed that MVP trophy. I think the crowd, the 18,000-plus that's going to be there, is going to give him that surge of energy. And I think maybe the most important half of basketball the Suns will play in this series will be the first half of tonight's game because I think the, 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 the Jokic storm is coming. Whatever he's got, he's going to spend it all in the first half of today's game. And if the Suns can weather that, I think they'll be just fine this weekend in Denver. Bloomer? Uh, you know, Burns is making great points, as he always does. Uh, and I agree with, with many of them. I also look at this and I say, okay, this crowd, we're, we're expecting this crowd to really lift the Nuggets up. Now, you and I just went and looked for fun, just for fun. There's uh, upper-level seats. You can get in for about 60 bucks right now to the ball arena. You can get downstairs for about 120 right now, ball arena. And we talked about it. The flight's only a couple hours, so you got time for the Suns fans <laughs> want to go in there. No, I'm just going to say that I, I expect it to be hostile. I expect it to be hostile, and I think the Suns should as well. And it's going to be uh, – uh, almost unanimous for the Nuggets, much like the crowd here in the Valley was almost unanimous in favor of the Suns. Would you agree with that, KZ? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's going to just the pregame stuff. And and it was crazy that Chris Paul and Jay Crowder were talking about the pregame for game three at the end of game two. So I think 
they are well prepared and they are expecting that crowd to go wild because I mean, everything's kind of lining up for what I thought would happen in game two, which was the Nuggets would show up and then it just didn't happen. And Mike Malone went from ripping his team a little bit to ripping his team a lot. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to show up in the series, it has to happen today. Uh, Staying on the Jokic question, and we'll start here with you, Kevin. Uh, He's been okay. Uh, Not necessarily, again, not MVP performances, but the question remains. Nikola Jokic said it. Every MVP has said it. This is a team award. And I truly believe that in his case. He was spectacular, but he had a lot of help. He's had very little help. Can the Suns withstand uh you know a, a storm to use Burnsy's phrase the, the Jokic storm if the Michael Porter Jr.'s Monte Morris's Aaron Gordon's of the world don't show up tonight yeah I think it's the same thing as last series against LeBron where you're you're bracing for impact of mm-hmm. 35 40 points I think the big thing for Jokic is does he get 10 assists does he get 15 assists because you looked at how he played that that brief stint where Dario Saric was on him um, he he had a couple back cuts that he hit. Will Barton had a dunk, mm-hmm. and and Will Barton's a guy who plays has played with him long enough where that looked so natural and it was so pretty to watch. But it's just not happening because they the Suns aren't doubling when Da is in, and I, I I'm fine if he scores forty on Da. I think the Suns will be fine with that. It, it's a matter of if he's getting those cutters, if he's drawing doubles, if he gets Da in foul trouble. Burnsy. I agree with a lot of what Zimmerman just said a second ago, especially when you look at those non-Aiton minutes from game two. There was this fear, this bracing of, okay, here we go. Let's find out what's going to happen now. And and for the first couple of possessions, it looked like Jokic was going to kind of eat Sarge's lunch. And there was a couple times they sent doubles. He passed out of it very well, but then they kind of settled on this idea that Sarge is going to try to hold his own against Jokic down low. And it, and it worked pretty well. I mean, look, there's a lot of reasons why Jokic hasn't looked like himself. Fatigue might be part of it. The lack of help he's getting from guys around him. Obviously, the way DeAndre Eaton has played him mm-hmm. straight up has had a lot to do with Jokic and, and how he's playing right now. But but I, I can't remember who tweeted it. Somebody did at some point during Game 2. I'd love to give the person credit. I just can't remember who it was. At this point, you feel like even if Jokic goes for 40, which he could at any time, I don't know who else on this roster you're going to get 70 to 80 points from. And the way the Nuggets are playing defense right now and the way the Suns' offense is flowing so well, you might need 70 to 80 points from other guys if Jokic gets his 40. And I don't know where that's going to happen. Well, I don't think there's any mystery, Bloomer, that uh, on the Jokic-Aiton matchup, Monty Williams, for the rest of this series, wants to match Aiton's minutes exactly to Jokic like we saw in Game 1. That was not possible uh, in Game 2 because of the early foul trouble, and I still give uh, a great deal of credit for DeAndre Ayton for staying out of foul trouble the rest of the game. But uh, if that's the case, if Monty Williams is able to do that with DeAndre Ayton's availability, you know, at, at worst, it's a wash. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think part of it is you mentioned the staying out of foul trouble. Defending without fouling is absolutely paramount for DeAndre Ayton. We've been talking about that uh, the entire playoffs. It was against the Lakers that was important, and now it's certainly uh, against the MVP of the league. The other thing, though, is also not sending 
Jokic to the line because, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about a lot of bigs. Sometimes you want to foul them. You want to send them to the free throw line. Jokic shoots 87% from the stripe. You don't want to foul him. And I think his lack of ability to get to the line so far has really been what's held him back because a couple things happen when a big fella goes to the line, right? Mm-hmm. One, he gets a breather. Yep. <laughs> I mean, let's not take that for granted. When you're talking about Nikola Jokic, who played in all 72 regular season games, and as Bernsey mentioned, helped his team make it all the way to the Final Four in the bubble. So there's been very little rest for this big man. With long series to get there, by the yeah, way. Yeah, grueling if, if, ones. If we were going to talk about that in the Lakers series being in effect, you have to bring up those same things for a lot of these Nuggets players. You have to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why the Miami Heat, uh, early exit, they're not there. They made that long run in the East. Now, obviously, they were without Jay Crowder and some other elements that were helpful in that run. Uh, but uh, the the Nuggets are still there, and you know they do deserve credit for getting where they are right now. But I think, it, it, like you said, the Suns have so many more ways to win this thing than the Nuggets do going in. So they know that going in, and they just need to continue to execute. And tonight, it might be a little bit tougher to execute based on circumstances. That's why I think a, a quick start for the Suns is so important tonight. Uh, we saw a similar, at least the way series have laid out so far, we saw a similar experience last night. Milwaukee just got boat raced in the first two games in Brooklyn. They went home. They started out fast, and that was, in a lot of ways, enough to win that game, building a 21-point lead. Brooklyn had to expend so much energy to get back into that game. Kevin, when you look at tonight, how imperative is it for the Suns to have a decent to great first quarter? I think running on them just from the start is just the key and and they talked about it a million times it starts with stops um, communicating and and I think they fixed that from game one where that start was not good game two obviously was very different so as long as they do that I I think that's going to be fine but I think running on them is the big thing because you just mentioned the seven game series Jokic just as an athlete isn't the guy you want running up and down and then defending so I think they really got to press the tempo use book especially that's going to get him going Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's the simple formula I don't think the Suns have to change anything I think they just need to wear on this team more Bernsey keep it close you know I I I agree getting out and running would be ideal but just keep them within arm's length because I really do think there's going to be that that surge and that run's going to come to start the game for Denver and as long as the Suns can keep it close I was I was watching that Milwaukee game last night, and I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, man, 30-11, to 11, okay, this is maybe a possible preview for what's going to happen uh-huh. tonight in Denver. And, it, it, the, I mean, the difference to me is that Drew Holiday's out there and Middleton's out there, and, and there's help for Giannis, who, who you know, didn't shoot the ball well last night from three and certainly didn't shoot the free throws very well last night. There's assistance for him that Nikola Jokic doesn't have. I was listening to Bloomer, and I was thinking of, like, an election night where you get these pundits on TV and they're talking about this guy's path to victory and this person's path to victory and got to win this county and that county and you got to get these votes here. I, I'm the path for the Nuggets. It's there. It's just it's squeezing. It, it's hard to see it as opposed to the Suns who appear to have a much wider, easier path to get there. And, and so I, I just don't know if Jokic is going to get the help. But I think as long as they stay within arm's length of the Nuggets when that run comes and puts themselves in a position somewhere in the middle of the second quarter to, to even go into halftime as a tie ball game. Given the adjustments that have gone on in the second half of the first two games of the series, that might be enough for the Suns tonight. Yeah, in terms of help for Jokic, it's there. Uh, it's not 100% healthy. Michael Porter Jr., uh, after especially Jamal Murray went down with the injury, 
he showed his ability to score uh, a lot of different occasions. You know, 30-point games here and there. He's not shy. He's going to shoot it. I think the help is there. He, I, To me, he might be the most important player for the Nuggets tonight, yeah. especially early. And he doesn't seem 100%, and he's facing defense, which he didn't in the first round. I think that's something that I know I keep going to, but uh, Portland doesn't play defense. No, they don't. Phoenix plays a lot of it. And uh, I, I want to credit uh, Willie Green because I know he gets a lot of credit for some of their schemes on that side, especially defensively with the backcourt. Uh, and just in general, this this entire team's focus on that end. It takes a mentality. You have to actually all come together and commit to play the kind of defense the Suns are playing, don't you? I, I went to Devin Booker, and I know he was on Facundo Campazzo a lot last game, <laughs> but if you go back and you watch Devin Booker, your your young star, play defense against a guy who, whatever Campazzo is, he was locked in, and he was setting the tone, and he was talking the talk, all that stuff, and walking it. And I think that rubbed off on everyone. I mean, DA has the tough job. Book doesn't have the tough job. But Book was like, I'm not letting Facundo Cabaza do this. And I, I think that was something you don't notice because, again, who it is. But I, I took that as a huge sign for the Suns that they're really locked in right now. Yeah, I mean, and it, it sounds cliche, Bernsey, to hear the Suns and they talk about the DNA being built on defense and hanging their hat on it. And I think we saw that at times in the regular season. It's really hard to maintain that over the course of a regular season. I think for the most part, they've maintained that philosophy and that hunger on the defensive end. And I go back to uh, you know one sequence in the second half of, of game two uh, that started with Jay Crowder. Aaron Gordon was backing him down. Crowder didn't give an inch. Then the double team came. They had to give the ball up to Jokic, ended in a turnover uh, and a bucket on the other end. It was one of the best defensive sequences I've seen from the Suns. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. How how sure are you, Burnsy, that the, the Suns can continue this this defensive performance? I, I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I think eventually the law of averages balance out a little bit, and some of these shots that the Nuggets are taking, they'll they'll hit. But the Suns continue to do such a good job of closing out on those shooters and rotating and making life so tough on them. I, I think the defense. I mean, look, most of us in this room, all of us in this room, have basically been following this organization for our entire lives. They've mm-hmm. never been defined defensively, really, no. outside of a player here or a player there. I, I, I can't recall a time in my life, really, where I've thought of a of a Suns team and I've thought defense and how they defend and how they yeah, – that's a key to, to them winning. I, I, I think – man, i got a lot of thoughts on this one. I, I think that – that the way they were playing defense at the end of the regular season, they were starting to get, they were starting to slip. Mm-hmm. They were starting to get a little lazy. They were starting to rely on their offense to win basketball games, and I think that's where things got a little sideways for them. I wondered whether they could dial that intensity back up when the postseason started. Yes. They've been able to do that to an extent that has surprised even me. I didn't realize they were going to be able to flip that switch so quickly. They have been, by many metrics, the best defensive team in the NBA in the postseason. I don't think anybody could have imagined we would have said that about a Phoenix Suns team. And if we're talking about Michael Porter Jr., I'd say I think the best defense for him is when the Suns are on offense because they are targeting him like he's got a giant bullseye on his back. And I wonder if tonight's the night where Michael Malone looks at Michael Porter Jr. and says, that's a net loss. I can't have him out on the floor 
because they're running every single action his direction, and we're getting killed, and i got to get him off the floor because of it. I wonder if tonight is the night where that happens. That's a great point, uh, and I think it all comes back down to how he shoots the ball early. You know he's going to hoist him up. He's going to try to get, get hot early. If it's not there again like it wasn't in game two, Bloomer, I could certainly see what, what Burnsy is suggesting maybe come to – he's he's not 100%. Right. He does have a bullseye on him defensively. I could see that happening. I could see it too, especially if Will Barton can give you more than 15 yes. minutes. You know, yes. if, if he's feeling good after that first go-around, which he looked as the, by far their most impressive uh, role player in that game too, uh, well, then maybe Michael Porter Jr. doesn't get as much action. The other guy that I have to bring up because he's been a massive disappointment for the Nuggets is Monte Morris. Mm-hmm. You look at how he shot the ball, two for 17 so far through the first two games, one for seven from deep. And this was a guy that, that put the, the Nuggets on his back during moments against the Blazers in the last two games when he went for a combined 50 in those last two games. He has a combined five in the first two games of the series against the Suns. I don't think any of us thought he'd come out with that kind of dud. Yeah, I he's a player, obviously, that has been a disappointment. I, I think... And I've always been a fan of his. I think he's a really good reserve point guard uh, who can score. But I think those numbers in the last two games against Portland might have thrown expectations out of whack. Um, now, he's not as bad as he's shown. He's one player, Kevin, that I really expect to to show up uh, get bolstered by the home crowd tonight. And I don't think we're going to see a Monte Morris performance like we saw. I would not expect that. But one thing about it is I, I just feel like I haven't seen him in my mind if I replay things you know, probe a lot, um, pick and roll a lot. And he's not the type of player where he's just going to ISO you and kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, he works within the team team game a lot. And that's what's interesting is the Suns should get credit for shutting him out to some degree. Now, he has to hit open shots. And that, again, you would expect some of their open shots to fall. But I, I would expect that he at least gets... 10 points in this one because I'm just I am baffled by what's happened so far yeah open shots good way to uh, transition back this back to the uh, sun side I brought this up to to Bickley as well uh fully admitting that you know a game that you won by 25 points in game two it was nitpicking um the Suns have not hit a great percentage of open threes um, and, and, you know Mikel missed a handful of them in game two Cam Johnson has really struggled in that area not just in this series, but uh, you know, th- throughout the playoffs. How big of a concern is that you're going on the road, you're going to have to cash in a little bit more, especially when you don't have a defender within 5 to 10 feet of you. How much of a concern is that for you, Bloomer? It's not a concern because they're getting them. Yeah. And I feel like they're good enough shooters that, uh, like Bernsey mentioned, the law of averages that some of the shots are going to go down. You could say the same for guys like Cam Johnson. I mean, he's got a pure form. Every time he shoots it, I think it's going in. He did make one early, and I thought, okay, here we go. This is the Cam Johnson game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Cam Johnson no. game. Uh, but hopefully that's coming. And I do believe that it is. Uh, you know, the great part right now is that you're getting positive contributions from Torrey Craig on the regular. You're getting positive contribution from Dario Saric now, both games of this series. And I expect him, you know, when, when he gets it going, when he's confident, when Dario is confident as a player, give me more. I mean, I really feel that way. I know Bernsey feels that way too, but it, it is, it's a thin line, isn't it? I mean, that confidence is very tenuous when it comes to Dario. I feel like he has it in its building right now, and that could be very helpful for the Suns, not just in this series, but moving forward. Yeah, if, if he can match those minutes up with a confident Dario against Paul Millsap and not being pressed onto Jokic, I'll, I'll take that matchup, Bernsey. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I I think when when Jokic isn't out there, I mean Dario, I, I wondered if he'd be a real good play for Monty, and, and he has been. And just based off of the the plus 
that he was even when he was out there with Jokic. I, I agree with Bloomer. It's been, you know, I, I get more tweets about Dario Saric than anybody else <laughs> when he does well, when he does poor. I hear about it from everybody. It's very strange to be affiliated with a player like that the way I have been the last few weeks. It's, it's, it's odd for me that I'm the Dario Saric guy, but okay, whatever. I'll wear it. I'll take it. And, and it is, man. His confidence, you saw it in that Lakers series. Man, he was shot. He, yeah. he was just – he was – and to have him have even a moment like that against the Nuggets kind of makes you feel about what he could be. As far as the, the three-point shooting goes, it's weird. I almost break it down by player. I'm not worried about Mikel Bridges at all. He keeps getting those open looks from the corner. Man, you keep taking those. He oh, got absolutely. Th- he got three of them in a 90-second span. I'm not worried about If he keeps getting open looks like that, I want Mikel bombing away. I'm a little worried about Cam Johnson. He, he's really riding the roller coaster these last few months with his shot and how he's done. The guy I wonder about, is just because he's the streakiest player in the last couple of years with the Suns, is Jay Crowder. He's, he's been riding it hot for the last two games of the Lakers series, last three games of the Lakers series, and the first two to start this one. You kind of know with him, anybody who's followed his season this year, you know the cold streak is coming. When is it going to happen? Is it tonight? Is it game four? Because it's coming with Jay. You just know it is. Hopefully that doesn't throw things out of whack because I feel like that that Jay Crowder game, I, I, I don't want to see it, but if we know it. it. It's there and it might be coming sometime for him. Yeah, the number that I keep pointing to on Jay Crowder is if he makes three or more threes, the Suns usually win win ball games. Uh, he's hit three or more threes five straight games or 5-0 and oh in those games. I agree with uh-huh. you, Bernsey. The cold streak is coming. Going back to, to Cam Johnson, though, Kevin, uh, we talked about confidence with Dario Saric. How much do you think confidence or lack thereof right now is, is what's plaguing Cam Johnson? I'm still kind of caught on his wrist injury, whatever that was. That There's had him that out. too. Yeah. Um, because the entire, since the All-Star break, he was around 30%, I believe, something like that. So I, I'm not even sure it's a confidence thing, but he has hit enough this off or this postseason where I think he's fine with where he is. Um, the good news is if Jay Crowder does have that cold streak, I, I think Cam does get a little longer look. Torrey Craig's played really well this series, and yeah. he's actually hit – it seems like he's been fine from three, so I think they're in good shape even with the Jay Crowder kind of falling off as far as shooting goes. That's uh, the Suns playoff roundtable here on Bickley and Murata. we got John Bloom, Kevin Zimmerman, Dave Burns, and uh, me, Vince Murata. Coming up next, one of the big questions going into Game 3 from the Denver standpoint, is Michael Malone master motivator, or were his comments a major mistake? We'll get into that next. Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kilt Lifter. Bickley and Marotta talk Suns in the playoffs. Suns playoffs roundtable special. You know, I think it's probably a combination. You know, uh, you always have to look at the X's and O's side of it. You know, what we're not doing well. Uh, why we continue to make some of the same mistakes over and over and over, uh, which is beyond me. Uh, when you spent three days leading up to game one, uh, you spent all day yesterday and this morning going into game two, and guys seem to uh, have a really hard time understanding what they're supposed to be doing uh, and, and doing things that we've done before. So it's not like it's something new. Uh, but then, you, the, as you mentioned, there's also the emotional side of it uh, and the intangibles. Um, you know, literally, I, I saw guys say, I'm not making shots tonight. I'm just going to walk around and mope. 
and my body language is going to be poor. Uh, and I felt that was the five guys on the court. That was the 12 guys on the, on the sideline. Uh, we, we had no juice, no energy, no passion, no fight, no urgency, no grit. Come up with whatever adjective you want to use. We did not have it. And you can't use, they were going home for game three as you, something you can rely upon. We have a great crowd, but if we play like this, they're going to boo us off the court, and rightfully so. Let me say this. Michael Malone, I applaud you for just giving great post-game audio. There's, it's unequivocally great audio. You can't, you can't deny that. How fruitful, how useful is it for his team? That is the question as we continue here on the Suns Playoff Roundtable here on Bickley and Murata. John Bloom's in for Bick today. Kevin Zimmerman from ArizonaSports.com is in, as well as Dave Burns from Burns and Gambo. Um, look, it's all speculation on, on what that leads to, or if it means anything, it was that just a desperate head coach, uh, pulling out his last card to play in a series that he believes is, is over because his team is overmatched. Do you, do you buy into that at all? I think there is a, a somewhat, it's not a stench, but there is somewhat of an aroma of desperation in the comments from Michael Malone. But I also think that this is his tact. Like, I just think that's who he is. He's not going to come out here and say, you know what? Woe is me. If I had Jamal Murray, this would be a completely different story. He's not going to say that. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to fire his team up, but I think he knows that even these types of words are not going to be the secret to them having success against the Phoenix Suns. It's just, uh, you know, right now it's a rotten matchup for him. And it's coupled with the fact that he's not seeing the kind of effort he wants to see from his team. You know, Michael Porter Jr., yes, body language can be atrocious on that young man. Mm -hmm. But I use young man because that's what he is. Is he still 22, Kevin? Somewhere in that range? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, come on. He's still growing. And, uh, you know, he's not always going to be this way. He's going to learn. Devin Booker has had bad body language through the course of his career during stretches. Mm -hmm. He doesn't now. He's gotten past that for the most part. There are occasions where he still gets sucked in by bad officiating and it ends up taking his focus off of the game. We've seen Jokic have that happen to him in this series where he's let officials kind of drag him back and he's slow to get back on defense. And that is a killer if you're the big man who's supposed to protect the rim and you don't get back. And the Sun should continue torching them every chance they get when that does happen. But back to Michael Malone and what he's saying about his team. I, you know, I never played at a high level in sports, but when I had coaches that were really tough on me, there were ways that they could be effective. A way of somebody calling you out and saying you're a quitter and in essence calling you names. I don't know how many human beings respond to that with, I'm going to go show him. I'm going to crush this thing because my coach called me a loser. Yeah, no, more, I just more, don't see more that often happening. Than not, it's usually blank that yeah, guy. Forget that guy. <laughs> uh, agree or disagree with the tactic, Kevin? I agree with it because he tried to not do it after game one, and it was the same thing. Like, if we look at the long list of people who disrespected the Nuggets, the Suns fans with the wave, Michael Malone, Chris Paul gesturing to break off a play so Cam Johnson could come screen Michael Porter Jr. I mean, I don't know what else to do because you watch the replays. Michael Porter Jr. literally had a play where he got front cut, not back cut by Mikel Bridges. He had his eye on him. Maybe his peripheral vision is poor. Go to the DMV and test that. But <laughs> he cuts in front of him for a mid-range jumper. And it's like, I don't know how you coach that out of a human, but that's why I'm here and not where Michael Malone is. Bernsey? I thought it was – it, it kind of reeked the desperation. Yeah. It, it was kind of one of those in-case-of-emergency-break-glass kind of moments. And I, I guess it – its effectiveness can be defined by whether you think he did it, to Kevin's point, whether you think he did it 
in game one when he kind of said when he said we played with kind of a soft mentality out there I, I i was thinking back to a bobby marks tweet from yesterday or or the night of the game in which he said man you use the words soft and quit uh, either those are those are those are dirty words, you know, when it comes to situations like this. And and front offices don't like to use those words. I, I I feel like he already tried to play that card a little bit after game one by saying they played with a soft mentality and they came out with a worse effort in game two than they did after yeah. that effort in game one. So I I just don't know how effective it's going to be. In particular, man, you mean you mean to tell me when that game tips off tonight at seven o'clock? that they're all going to be thinking about how their coach called them out two nights ago. I, I think those thoughts evaporate the moment that game starts and you start playing the game. I, I, I just don't sure. think you, you, you ponder that anymore. But the reality is he went to that card after game one against Portland, too. So three times in eight playoff games, the, the, the terms soft or quit have come up in, in Michael Malone's post-game press conferences which might, again, point to what I suggested earlier, a bigger issue, that the Nuggets just can't hang with the Suns because of the way this team is constructed right now and the way they're affected by injury. Yeah, exactly. That's part of the story. Yes. I mean, you have to include it, but uh, in the end, nothing's going to change on that. Jamal Murray's not walking through that door, unfortunately, Which, for by Nuggets the way, fans. Can I just say this? Uh, Jamal Murray has warmed up before both games. On one leg, basically. Okay, so maybe he's walking through the door, but he's not <laughs> actually no, 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 no. suiting up. I, but I just want to say this. <laughs> I, I've watched him both times, and he's set-shotting three-pointers. Set-shooting three-pointers, and some he went half-court and went off the wrong leg. He makes everything. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are a Suns fan and you're, 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 you're hoping for the best possible outcome, you can't apologize for you know having to play a team that's less than 100%. But there's got to be a little bit of thanks for, okay, Jamal Murray is an assassin and he's not playing. We'll take well, it and move on. Guys, I, I mean, to, to your point, Vinny, let, let's kind of point out the obvious. The Suns have played some really dominant basketball, and a big chunk of that happened the minute Anthony Davis left that game halfway through game mm-hmm. four. I, I, and I, and I, and to, to pretend that that's not at least part of what's going on here, I, I think is a little bit of head in the sand. Let's ignore what's going on around us. Kind of a mentality that they have been very fortunate in what's gone on around yes. them. But what the good teams do is they take advantage of good fortune when it's been handed to them. And the Phoenix Suns have not dilly-dallied with the good fortune that's been handed to them. They have crushed these teams when they have been down like that. And I, and I, I think what I go back to what you said is sort of the defining theme of this whole series. Denver just doesn't have enough. We all kind of knew when Jamal Murray went down that we could take out the Black Sharpies and draw a line through Denver to their credit. It took a lot longer than a lot of us thought, but it sort of feels like this is that, okay, this is sort of we expected out of yes. them when they lost Jamal Murray kind of moment. Yeah, uh, I, I will say I feel like Denver might have not, not a conscious thought, but a subconscious thought of we're playing with house money right now. We don't have our second best player. People didn't pick them to beat Portland, who was fully you know fully healthy going into that series, and they did. There might be something to that. As far as the the fortune that the Suns have have received on the injury front, I'll say this. I brought this up on numerous occasions in the regular season that it was a bit of a concern that the Suns were stacking up regular season wins against teams that did have a star or two missing or they were resting a star. 
it happened a lot, almost a freakish amount. My stance on that has completely changed. A, because of the way the Suns are handling their business and how dialed in they are. And B, because this is the playoffs. You apologize for nothing, especially in Phoenix, Arizona, where they've had such <laughs> rotten playoff injury luck throughout their history. Maybe this is everything just coming together. It's all converging, and the sun, the basketball god's sun, is shining on Phoenix for the yes. first time. Maybe that's it's it. It's about time. It's well-deserved, Vince. And, and by the way, why not just have it all happen at once and then extend over several well, years' time? Because this isn't all going to be made up by one Larry O'Brien. All right, we all know. <laughs> not I'll, one. I'll start there. <laughs> not two. But going back to what Burns, he said, too, going back to the last series. Yeah, Anthony Davis was affected late in that series. Chris Paul was largely ineffective. For game one. Yeah. Uh, he, he came back and couldn't handle the basketball. And the Lakers, with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, could not find a way to win that game. They missed that opportunity. And that was a big point in the Suns being where they are and the Lakers being where they are. Exactly. And that's why it went six games, in my opinion, with Chris Paul's injury. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it goes four or five. If he's healthy that whole series, I really believe that. But in the end, what do they say? They say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Is that the the phrase that, that mm-hmm. I've heard Monty Williams say that? I've heard James Jones say I've heard a lot of people subscribe to that philosophy. Uh, and if you want to blame things on luck, then, uh, you know, that's fine. That, that means you're not getting any. Uh, and right now, uh, you can have some luck along the way. In fact, you have to. I think every champion will tell you that along the way, it was uh, success uh, based on a combination of factors, and luck is always one of them. So uh, it's about time the Suns get luck on their side. I think there's a lot of things going for this basketball team. I think we all feel it. Uh, I think it's a great place to be right now, and tonight could be yet another step in the right direction because we all believe they're the better basketball team, and I believe when I say we, that even includes the Denver Nuggets. They believe the Phoenix Suns are the better basketball team. They have to based on what's gone down in the first two games of the series. So go handle the business, and then maybe Sunday is a closeout game. I'm already seeing on Twitter some Suns Twitter guys that are in Denver walking around wearing Suns gear. I love it, and it can only (laughs) multiply over the weekend. Don't you want to leave a buck 15 and go up to like 75 and sunny and watch a basketball game in someone else's gym on Sunday afternoon for a closeout. Wouldn't that be something? I I can't do it. I got to work. I'll be here (laughs) at the station, but I'm recommending it to those of you with disposable income. I might, I might, I I could do it. I won't, but I could. (laughs) (laughs) I did have that thought uh, about taking that, that step. What do the Suns need to do tonight in Denver to take that step? We'll get into that and more next as we continue our roundtable with Kevin Zimmerman, Dave Burns, John Bloom, and me, Vince Murata, here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The home of Phoenix Suns playoff basketball, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Suns playoff coverage presented by Four Peaks Kiltlifter. Bickley and Murata talk Suns in the playoffs. Suns playoffs roundtable special. I think from... From the beginning, from uh, training camp, uh, I think Jay, beginning of training camp, Jay, uh, I think he was in COVID protocols or had COVID or something, so he couldn't be there. And we was watching film about everything in the beginning, and coach had him on FaceTime and while, and act like he was there. So and I think I never met Jay yet, so it was just pretty dope from the beginning to see how. Coach Monty and everybody had him here, even though he wasn't there really. But you know, I think just from there, I could tell. I'm like, all right, we're you know, we're we're definitely we're definitely me, me business. 
That is Mikkel Bridges on with uh, Doug and Wolf yesterday here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, when asked the question, when did you know that this team was special? And I like that answer. It wasn't kind of focusing by Mikkel Bridges on what's happening right now and anointing themselves of anything. It's going way back to the beginning that this team was constructed a little differently. The guy, you know, the new pieces on this team were going to have major influences. Uh, I don't have any problem at this point saying I feel like this is a special Suns team. Do you guys? No, I don't either. Uh, although I haven't met Jay yet uh, and or Chris uh, or several of the other new guys. Have you? Have you had a chance to meet those guys? Uh, I mean, you're down floor level. I'm upstairs. Jay's a little bit more quiet on the floor level than Chris is. Chris okay. is a talkative guy, and he'll come over and have you know just a little chit-chat before the game. Well, next time, throw had, in that we, we, your buddy had... John is very happy with their effort this year, and they're really <laughs> thankful. Just You can tell the, the, the radio guy and the post-game shows this. We, thank we've you. had Jay on the show, and I've, I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, I think he is special, uh, and it's clear because we had uh, a caller on the postgame show who had his seven-year-old daughter. You might recall I told this story in the first round when she called LeBron James a give her upper. Harper. <laughs> it was a great it was a great thing. Uh, it was an absolutely legendary moment of the postgame show against the Lakers. Seven-year-old Harper in Prescott. Uh, he handed uh, the phone to her, and she just said, I just want to say LeBron James is a give her upper. And it was absolutely <laughs> epic. But then she came back in the last game, and she said that, her favorite player is Jay Crowder. And I think that that is something that's happening. Like it's, this isn't the guy that's like got MVP votes. This isn't the guy that is lighting up the scoreboard necessarily, although he catches fire from three and it's a lot of fun to watch that, but he's doing all the other stuff, isn't he? And he's ingratiating himself with his fan base in a big way. He's quickly rising on my list of favorite players too, with the way that he's handled himself through the, the tough beginning to the Lakers series. I mean, how Kevin, I'll start with you. How important, how integral do you believe Jay Crowder is to not just this series going the way that the Suns want it to go, but to get where they eventually want to be? I mean, when you talk about special teams, I think you do the corny stuff and you say, we all have the same goal, we all want to win, we work hard, we're grinding in the lab, as they say. But personality-wise, I think he's the the huge key because he's – very unique in how he expresses himself and my example goes back to last game after last game he was asked about his salsa dance to end the lakers series and he says i did what i have to do now if you said (laughs) i did what i have to do about salsa dancing in our profession or any of your the listeners professions like you'd be like what are you talking about man and i think that just weird energy is important for a basketball team and how he plays reflects that too yeah I, I think when I what I thought when the Suns acquired Jay Crowder in the offseason Burns he was that's a guy that usually finds his way to playoff teams championship level teams and it's gone about like I thought it would go uh you know with with his influence uh just share your thoughts if you, if you could at this point on Jay Crowder I remember when they got him, uh, he was not a name that was really on the radar, at least in terms of the names that were up for public discourse about who they could get and who they could spend their money on. And I remember when it happened, immediately thinking, that's it. That's the guy. That That's, that's the guy. That's the guy we should have all been thinking about all along. It, it seemed like such an instantaneously perfect fit that I was kind of kicking myself for not having that aha moment a little earlier. It, it, hey, maybe they should look at Jake Crowder. He's out there. He's available. He, he's been he's been invaluable because he just he brings them such an edge. I, I mean, such a. I mean, Chris Paul does too. And it's not to say that 
other guys don't have it, but an edge combined with an experience, sort of a, hey, follow me, I've been there before, I know what I'm doing, I, 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 know, how to, I know how to do this sort of thing. Uh, it's been it's been invaluable just how just how much of a nastiness he brings when he's out there. Here's one key to the game and for the next several games for the Suns when it comes to Jay Crowder. I love that he's been an irritant. He gives this team an edge. The facial expression with LeBron, the sprinting off the court, the salsa dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's been there for every moment. He's already more than halfway to the threshold of automatic suspension when it comes to postseason. I had a feeling you were going there. Yeah. He's got four. <laughs> You're only allotted seven. We all want this thing to go on for a long time. You don't want to go into a, a postseason game without Jay Crowder. So that, that that's all I'll say on that front. You need to strategically use those last three over the course of the next what, four or five weeks, mm-hmm. right, Jay? Yeah. Spread them out. <laughs> strategically keep those T's in your pocket. One more per series. <laughs> yes, at the very end, just to announce the series is over. Yes. <laughs> One last salsa dance before the parade of salsa dancers. Won't that be fun to see that? Uh, biggest keys for tonight for for success for the Suns. Bloomer, I'll start with you. I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm going to be repetitive. It's a broken record. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep playing Suns basketball. Share the ball. Play defense. Uh, and, uh, you know, keep those principles first and foremost, and you're going to beat this Nuggets team. You're the better basketball team. They may come out with a flurry, be ready to take those punches early. It's not the first time that they're going through a similar experience. They went to Staples. Granted, this can be a lot louder, and I think they're ready for that too. Kevin? I think it's as simple as doing the same thing and keeping D.A. out of foul trouble. Um, Just him, Jokic is going to go. At him, they're going to try to get the guards downhill, and DA's just got to be careful off the tip um, that Composo and those guys aren't flopping and trying to get cheap ones on him. Well, better luck. Uh, good luck there. Composo not flopping. That's what he do. <laughs> Burnsy? Uh, Kevin stole mine. I was going to say Aiton staying out of foul trouble, which he's been so good at. I- I'm going to go... I'm actually, even though I think tonight might be the Booker game, I'm actually going to say my key to the game is for Booker to continue to play within the context of the offense and and not try to take it over if it's not there for him to do exactly that. We, We haven't, it's been relatively quiet for him, at least in the context of what we saw in games five and six of the Lakers series. And, and I think he needs to continue to play really sound, smart basketball in terms of finding the other guys. But if there is a window for him to have that Booker game, boy, if, if you want to if you want to talk about a nail in this series, yes. Devin Booker in a first quarter like he had against the Lakers in Game Five, the Lakers in Game Six, that would drive this home and basically wrap this up. If Booker were to do that in the first quarter tonight, I think I, I like your point about Book playing within the context of the offense. But if he becomes the context, I, I totally agree with you, and kind of leads me to what I'm looking for tonight. Uh, early in the series, I had the same DA versus Jokic questions as everybody else. I feel pretty good on that right now, even though I think we're going to see more from Jokic than we've seen in this series. But to me, it's Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Cameron Payne continuing to absolutely dominate the backcourt of the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. The, the advantage is so much uh, on the Suns' side on that. And it hasn't even been as bad as it could have been because we haven't had the Booker game. He's averaging, what, 18, 19 points a game? Right. Uh, Chris Paul took over for a stretch when the game was already decided. Cameron Payne has, has given the glimpse, you know, the, the, the spurts of energy, but he hasn't dominated the way he did in the Lakers series. It could be worse 
That's what I want to see tonight. I want to see tonight that advantage be so big for the Suns' backcourt that they could just coast to another victory. And I feel like, Vince, if they're within striking distance, what makes anybody believe that Chris Paul is going to stop doing what he's been doing in the fourth quarter and be the ultimate closer and come out and handle his business? It does seem like he loosens up as the game goes on. I know he's even made mention of that, that the the shoulder and neck kind of get loose as that game goes on, and he's taking those threes Mm -hmm. late in games. I feel like if they're within a few buckets or even within ten going into the fourth, this is the Suns' game. Like, they're going to to close it out and, and handle it. Guys, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Burns, I appreciate you giving up an hour, especially when you got to do four more later on today. No problem, guys. Ke- Happy to do it. Yep, Kevin Zimmerman, great job as always. You can catch uh, Kevin's stuff all over ArizonaSports.com. We thank them for uh, joining us for the last hour. We'll have a lot more on Suns Nuggets Game 3. John Bloom is in for Bick today here on Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.